ready. It what? is happening. My mind and body are both ready. And they're they're in ready. sync. Christopher from the No Gimme's podcast. What's up, dude? Kyle, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. You know, it's really good to have you here, man. I, we could pretend like we're just sitting down and saying hello, but we have been hanging out and playing golf for like the last six hours. Full disclaimer to everybody listening. We've had a very solid afternoon, dude. I mean, I think, yeah, it's been one of the top-notch afternoons of the yeah. year. You, you did get to play one of my all-time favorite golf courses today. And I, I was about to ask you this like five minutes ago, and I was like, wait, no. Save it a little bit. So you got a chance to play Alistair McKenzie's only nine-hole golf course in all of these United States today. What were your thoughts on Northwood? I was super impressed with Northwood. It's awesome. For what it is, it's a, like literally a nine-hole course. Um, short. I think it's only like 2,800 yards. Yeah, like it, it, might even be, it might be less than 3,000. Yeah, I think it's less than 3,000 yards. Um, but it's just really cool. So I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm trying to learn about architecture. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend no, no, that no. like I know all of like Mackenzie's. The best way for quirks. me to judge like the the merits of a golf course is how much fun did you have? I had a blast. Yeah, that that, that that for me is the ultimate barometer. Like that, if that's that is what matters most. So from a fun perspective, super fun golf up. course. Super yeah. fun golf okay. course. Cool, I cool. like and I kind of like the fact that it makes you not hit driver off a lot of the tees. So. It's one of those courses where it's like, you know, a lot of 280, 320, 330, like par fours. Um, and a lot of times you just want to blast driver out there uh, or on those kind of holes and just try to get mm -hmm. it as close as possible and flip a wedge. Um, I kind of like how he puts the dog legs out there at like 180 yards. So you have to hit to the dog leg and then have to hit into a tiny little green with a lot of slope. Right. Um, and a lot of breaks and like just small, uh, well-guarded greens with trees everywhere. So mm -hmm. super challenging to like really really challenging to score like makes it like it certainly plays a lot longer than it is but not to say that you know it plays like it's long but since you're not hitting driver off a lot of tees you know without you know having to hit driver you still might find yourself with nine irons eight irons seven irons and some greens exactly a lot of them most of them i feel like I, there, there was very few i hit a wedge into eight because that's the par three mm -hmm. i hit a wedge into one and i hit a wedge into seven i guess because it's the hole before the par three and those were literally the only holes i hit wedges into everything mm -hmm. else was at least like an eight iron a seven iron i hit a six iron into nine on yeah, the second time <laughs> there was a couple like uh, a couple holes out there there's some of the short dog days where you go like seven iron like eight iron seven iron seven iron but like it's kind of fun I, and by kind of fun i mean it's fucking awesome it's really fun <laughs> yeah. dude and i loved the greens out there they're so slopey um impressed with how little bunkers he used there's literally no bunkers out there, and it looks great. Like, not literally. But there's, like, three bunkers or four bunkers on the entire golf course, and they just did a really good job with the placement of those. And, like, the courses and the holes still have a lot of character, even without, you know, tough-ass bunkering. It's a fun spot, dude. It's an epic spot. Yeah, it's a super fun spot. And we got some interesting info on uh, on the golf course day. So people who have listened to this podcast before have heard me, you know, talk about how great Northwood is before. I, I I'm not shy about how much I love that golf course. You're definitely, you're definitely but, an evangelist for Northwood. <laughs> but some of these people have heard that, obviously, the golf course, uh, I've told this story before, but the golf course is built for the people at the Bohemian Grove, which is like a summer camp for the most powerful people in the country, which, you know, today, you know, you have a more defined, you know, past presidents, guys like Colin Powell, Henry Kissinger. Enormous you know, dick swingers, dude. Yeah, just, just like just big, big ballers. Big dick swingers. Enormous ballers, dude. <laughs> and we found out from the pro out at Northwood today. Shit you not. Legendary dude, by dude, the way. Dude, the decision to drop the bomb on Japan was made right across the river from Northwood at the Bohemian Grove. 
tell me that's not fucking crazy. What an insane, like, I, w- I believe it's true. First things first, yeah, first, things first the story is way, yeah. more, way this is, more fun. This is not confirmed. This is, this is rumor. But based on all the stories I've heard about the Bohemian Grove, it seems... Completely plausible. And I've known Vern for all of like an hour now, and I don't think I don't think that dude lies, man. Vern? I don't think he lies at all. Vern, you, you know, he gives no fucks about your feelings, dude. He's just gonna shoot you straight. I love that, Vern, dude. Vern gives you the truth. That's what you need sometimes. But that 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 tidbit of information he came and dropped on us just mid fairway on like six was insane, dude. And and that that just kind of gives you a really good scope on the kind of people that go there. Like those are the people that like you always hear the. The complaints or the gripes or whatever people mm-hmm. are like oh yeah it's the people in charge you know those are actually the people in charge those are legitimately <laughs> the people who are like actually running what what whatever it is that we have going on here because god knows i'm far from pulling those pulling those decisions uh, yeah dude it's, it's wild out there but it's funny because like the golf course itself like it's got that right there but the majority of people that play that golf course are just regular people that maybe don't play a lot of golf they head out and you know t-shirt and jeans you know maybe play golf a couple times a year and for someone like that, it's a super kick-ass golf course as well because they're not, you know, they're not hoity-toity. They're not going to fucking make you feel bad about, like, not wearing proper golf clothes. You know, they just it's just a relaxed, cool place that just happens to be a really incredible, incredible little track. And it's hilarious to think that, like, those kind of people um, that are just, you know, essentially just novices to the game, like new new players, people that haven't really been fully addicted yet or fully committed to the game, um, like, just the 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 – the gem that they get to learn on, you know, the gem that they get to wear jeans to and, and play in a t-shirt and like it tests all aspects of your game, dude. Like you have to hit sh- like good iron shots. The greens are slopey. So you have to get good wedges. Thank you, sir. The classic college trick, man, opening the beer bottle with the, with the lighter. Uh, it's one of my favorite moves. I, a girl taught me that move actually. Uh, I learned, I didn't learn a lot, but I learned some things at Chico state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I learned, I learned all kinds of things at USF and that was definitely one of them. Uh, I, it took me forever to learn. And I remember I would see so many people do it and I thought, I was the coolest thing and then i was like all right I can the first time you see somebody you're like i have to know how to do that dude you're like 18 years old it's the first time you're like out of your parents house and you're just like this guy hands you a beer and you're like yeah for sure i'll take a beer man i'm fucking sick i have hair on my chest and then he opens i have it. 117 fucking chest hairs okay i'm a man i'm sick as fuck and then he opens it with a beer bo- with a with a lighter and you quickly realize like i, I have so much to learn <laughs> i feel like i need a physics class to find out how how you did that with the the, the lighter and the, the finger i did it's really wild but anyway before i get too off track Chris, for anybody that is not familiar with you, um, I'm joined by Mr. Chris Durr, the host of the No Gimme's podcast. Um, Chris and I connected via email, what, like maybe three months ago? Probably. I mean, could it have been that long? Maybe, yeah, a couple months it, ago. It might least. have been like beginning of July. So maybe maybe a couple months ago. Um, uh, we, hooked, you know, we hooked up via email. We just had a, some, some fun talks. And um, I was a guest on Chris's uh, podcast, the No Gimme's podcast, uh, a couple of months ago. And now he's here in the studio in Santa Rosa. And uh, we're turning the favor and... Yeah, man, this is great. It's it's really nice to have you, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, again, I really appreciate you having me. I would I would have been dying to come on this show. I thought we I were when we first. I was weird when I first reached out to you to come on my show. You immediately were like, well, "Will you come on mine?" And I was like, "Absolutely, one hundred percent." And I didn't share know the we love. Gonna, yeah, exactly. And I, I like the way we did it too, where we did it as two separate episodes. It's way better because I remember when we first talked about it, I thought like, "Oh, we'll do one episode and each release it." But I like the. Uh, I like the coming in, but I like the dude. I like the space you got here. This is Give awesome. Give the people what they want. You know, yeah, exactly. goodies. More content, baby. More content. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, you were in a. Uh, you were in Europe when uh, when yeah. we did our first one. I, I called you via Skype, and you were chilling in Europe on your, on your villa loft. I had a great time. I was. I had a little bit of a, a really nice, very cool, cool buzz going on because I had been out uh, at the beach. I think earlier in the day before we had talked on the phone, and it was just 
Man, I had a great time talking golf. So I, I was excited for you to come up here so we could do it again, man. It was uh, some good times. Me too. We did it right, too, with the golf and the beer. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, brother. Awesome. So for people that aren't familiar with uh, your podcast, how, how long have you been doing No Gimmies for? So I started No Gimmies in January of this year. Okay. Um, I'd been working at the Presidio Golf Course for like, I guess got the job there in June. So I'd been there for six months. Okay. Prior to that, I'd been caddying for my buddy Tyler on the Latin America tour. Um, and just a big time podcast listener, dude. And Joe Rogan, the, 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 the inspiration that he is. But he always says on his podcast, he's like, well, if you like podcasts, you should just start one. And I remember, and I remember being like, well, what, what could I possibly start one on? And obviously, like, you have dreams of being like a Howard Stern talk show host yeah. who can do anything. And I was like, well, no, like, I actually give a shit about golf and I know a few things about it. So one thing led to another and I bought a microphone and I started recording my voice. And, and, and now I'm here, dude, whatever, eight, nine months later. And it's working out good so far, man. You've, I mean, I, what, I probably listened to six or seven episodes of your podcast, all of them been super good. How would you classify two people as like what uh, like what kind of guests do you usually have on the podcast? I mean, you had me, so obviously your bar's low. <laughs> but you know, like what what kind of other people other than me do you like to you know typically like to have on the podcast? Like what what kind of people do you love talking about golf with? It's mainly anyone that is connected to golf. Like my, that was my whole thing. So I wanted to be like you always hear the cliche thing. So this kind of goes back to the cliche thing of like. You know, golf and life are so intertwined. You know, you learn a lot of lessons on the golf course that you can carry into life. Um, you know, the other ones, if you're, you know, if you're not really living right, you're not going to play good. Like all the classic things, isms yeah. that you hear about how connected the two are. Oh, excuse me. You're all good. I feel like the people who like care that much about golf and are on that level to where it's kind of become intertwined with their life, all have really, really interesting stories and all have found a way to incorporate golf into their lifestyle, whether it be playing professional golf or, you know, being a rep for a big company or mm -hmm. starting a clothing band brand like centered around golf, like whatever it is, those people have chose to make it like part of their life. And I just want to talk to those kind of people. So yeah. my door is, and my bar is in, like, it's wide open. Your metaphorical door is wide the fuck open. Wide the fuck open, dude. Just as long as you like golf and are willing to shoot the shit about it, then we can talk. All and, right. uh, good. The majority of my guests have been f friends that I've made on the Latin America tour. Mm -hmm. Literally. That's the majority of the people that I talk to. Dude, what a, what a cool, like unique perspective to get into the sport. Like, because what what percentage of the guys playing on the Latin American tour are American? Oh, oh my God, it's huge. Is it, I mean, the large majority. I would say like sixty percent, and then okay. and then the other forty is split between like majority Argentine and Australian, and then from there it's just like like the last whatever, like thirty percent of the forty, I guess, is like Argentine or Brazil or. Uh, fucking australian and then really okay yeah and then the rest is like there's like one guy from chile one guy from brazil one i like, guy I like how you said chile chile i will i like that yeah <laughs> good, good, good on you and tu español es bueno bueno yeah pues mi, es mi primer idioma so it's yeah it's my first language so en serio it comes yeah it comes really nice it comes easy okay <laughs> that's it. it's good i mean are you, are you ever feeding advice to your guy who, who, who you're looping for in Espanol, just try to get him a little bit more in the groove. So, you, or you just you go full English with your with your guy when you're in the bag, dude. If I am talking golf, like you'll hear it enough. Like I, like, I'll I'll say everything in Spanish. <laughs> like it literally, it's like it's just like if you think it's a nine or an eight, I'll be like ocho. <laughs> He's like all right, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, I'll like I'll like shoot it. Like I remember when we were doing practice rounds, and I was like walking it off. Like I'd walk a number off, and I'd just be like. And he's like, all right, 
137, <laughs> like right on. And like, I, I don't know. It just, I don't know why. It always comes like that. Uh, so not, not on the uh, on the professional level. Have you, have you ever looped for like amateur golfers before? I have I looped for. Because you've given me a really good idea for if I ever if I ever go back to being a caddy, I've just thought of something that would be super fun, and that is get on a guy's bag, introduce yourself in English, you're on the range, everything's good. Then you walk out to the first tee, and you just forget how to speak English. You only communicate in Spanish. Oh my god! Just just to see what just to see what they do. How many holes till he cracks? How many holes till he like freaks out? It depends on the club. If if you're at a club like I was when I was caddying, where everybody thinks they are super important, which you know, to be fair, they're more important than me, I guess, in in business terms. So, but you know, those guys I feel like would have a real short temper. They'd get to like the middle first, but dude, cut that the fuck out. Okay. We're in America. Speak cut, English. Cut it out. This is America. Right, talk to me. <laughs> I'm paying you money. Talk to me. I need help. But I, I feel like if they were a little like a little bit more low key, they were like a little bit of cooler dudes, they'd let you just be an idiot for a couple holes before they're like, come on, man. Right, seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> I feel like I would crack around six. I feel like because six holes is like the what that's like the hour and ten minute mark or something. So at yeah. that point in the round, I'm just gonna be like, listen, man. <laughs> What kind of sick Dude, game are we playing here? What like, are we doing? Here? What are we? I got a, I got at least three more hours with you, dude. Like, if this is what's gonna go on, I'm cool with it. But like, if you had some job security, it would be a sweet, a sweet thing to do just to keep yourself entertained out there for the day. It, it would be, it would be kind of awesome. It'd be amazing. I was just thinking of a man. I was like, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, well, anyway, man, there's there's a lot of stuff um, going on in the golf world right now. As a guy, you know, hosts his own podcast, is very involved. He's, I mean, shoot, dude, you work at a golf course that probably, I mean. I mean, pardon my French, but fuck, dude, you guys are probably like top five in terms of annual rounds played in Northern California, are you not? Dude, I mean, we're probably like, we got to be top couple percent in the nation, dude. We get dude, like 67,000 rounds that, a year. Okay, the last time I talked to Brad, um, Brad Harmon at, at, at Presidio, yeah, he said something like mid to high 60s of thousands. I'm like, dude, a lot of golf courses, if they're getting like 30, that's like savage, like crazy year where like you are doing it. That is a highly successful golf course. It's at just, like thirty something thousand presidio, sixty something. That, that is crazy. It's insane, dude. It's crazy. I was so when I went to PGA school in Florida. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with the PGA program, like to get your class A, um, it's essentially like going to grad school. You have to do these three levels. Um, the levels consist of essentially school work. You're doing like case studies, Excel spreadsheets on like golf course, like just basic like. Just, just grad school. Is it like golf course management type stuff? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So they'll be so like, it's hey. like business oriented classes. Exactly. So you'll, they'll okay. be like, hey, so you get to choose between like a private or public course, and they'll be like, all right, so you're the general manager of like a public course. Like, this is what this is how many rounds you get. This is what you charge. Like, make this work. Like, they try to feed you a scenario and try to like make you make you figure out how to like you know essentially make the golf course better. Interesting. Okay. Um, but anyway, so while I was down there in PGA school, you have to talk obviously about what course you worked at and everything. And I said mm-hmm. that I was like, "Yeah, I work at a golf course in San Francisco that gets sixty-seven thousand rounds a year." And everyone just like their jaws dropped. They just looked at me like, "Wait a minute, what?" Fucking liar! Yeah, <laughs> liar, dude. But I'm not lying. We were literally we were literally booked solid this morning with foursomes until two fifty. As of Thursday, so today's Saturday, and I was working in the shop on Thursday, and people were calling me like, "What do you have Thursday or Saturday morning?" And I was like, "Dude, my first available foursome is literally two fifty. and they're just like, "It's th- three days before." Like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, "I'm sorry." Like, I did that. Like, honestly, I'm really sorry. That's it's just it's super chill out here. I, You're just you should have called me two weeks ago. You should have called me a week ago. One week, one week in advance, please. Is it is, is it only one weeks in advance for for a tea time out there? Unless you're a men's club member. If you're a member of our men's club, you can do it two weeks. But if anything, uh. It's one week in advance, dude. We literally like. Wow. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like the week before, so like 
every day essentially we get people that call us like right when we open booking for the following week so it'll be like wednesday at like 6 30 a.m and the phone will just blow up with like eight people Wow. I'll just be like, hey, what's up? Like, I hear you guys just opened. Like, I would like next Wednesday, 1030. And you're like, all right, cool. Got you. Got you. What a bunch of fucking savages, savages dude. dude. Savages. And then there's guys. So there's this group of guys. There's these four dudes um, that we have. That we, they're legends. They play first tea time every single weekday. So Monday through Friday, first tea time, no matter what, all the time. They're all members of our men's club. And they all walk in. They show up and play like Wednesday morning, first tee time, 6.30. We'll be done. They walk. They're done in like three hours and ten minutes. They just like don't – they don't – no etiquette of golf is observed. They literally like – just, just like, got the, like the four different dudes play their like their ball without worrying about the other guy and they just go. They just go. They but just I go. love that. That's fucking awesome. It's legendary. And then they literally finish their round and then walk in and go two weeks from today – I want the first tee time. And we just go, okay. And then they, and we literally book them in and then and they just do that every single day, dude. They just go and play. And then after the round, they come in, they go two weeks from today. Same thing. And I'm like, all right, I got, yep, you're in there. I would like to be one of those dudes. They're all in the but, restaurant industry. They all own like sushi restaurants or something in the city. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Well, okay, but before we get too sidetracked, I'm actually super curious. So to get your class A, you have to go through like the school portion. So that there's how many different like, would you say like subsections of like the... um going to get your class a pga license so there's three levels okay. of school okay so three so the first is like the you know the classroom part so they're all cl- it's um it's essentially it's a seminar it's a one-week seminar mm-hmm. revolving around book work and then you have like homework and it's essentially like 40 hours of book work to do on your own um to turn in they grade it and then you graduate to the next level. Go from level one to level two, and they're all. And then when you graduate to the level, you have to go back to Florida and take another seminar and do the whole thing over again. And do it three times. Is Florida the only place you can go to do it? Port St. Lucie, man, you gotta go to the PGA headquarters. Only place. God, that's weak. Oh man, you miss. You're missing out. Port St. Lucie is a uh, boring ass. <laughs> There's nothing in fucking Port St. Lucie. Like, why dude. the fuck do I want to fly three thousand miles to go to Port St. Lucie? That, I miss. That seems soft. Soft. Dude. There's a. There's a lot of humans on the West Coast. Can you please just have a fucking West Coast seminar? And a lot of good golfers on the West Coast. But, I mean, I could digress about that. The PGA is a fucking interesting situation. <laughs> like, the PGA is a very, very interesting organization. I have my, I have plenty of qualms with them. But Well, as a member, I, I don't want to get you too much trouble. But I would be fascinated to hear some of these stories. You know, we can do it off off, off the record or oh, whatnot. But it's, oh, it does sound, yeah, it sounds very interesting. Oh, it's fun. I missed, dude, I missed my flight to go out to PGA school this year. It was terrible. <laughs> it was fucking terrible, dude. I went out the night before, obviously, like a degenerate. I'm just drinking in the city. You like to have fun, bro. I'm, Don't apologize. I smile, dude. I, I count my smiles. Um, <laughs> dude, I had like a 7 a.m. flight, I remember, and I woke up at like 5.45, and I was like, shit. <laughs> and the lady was so nice. The American mm. Airlines lady was such a sweetheart. <laughs> I missed my flight, and I get there, and I'm like, please, I just need to get to Port St. Lucie. Like, I need <laughs> to be there. I, I Don't ask me why I need to be there, but I need to be there. And so I was supposed to fly from like SFO to Dallas, Dallas to West Palm Beach, missed my flight. And she puts me on like, I missed like my, I was missed my 7 a.m. flight and she puts me on like a 745 from SFO to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then Charlotte to West Palm Beach. I wanted to give her a hug across the counter. I was like, you are literally a a saver. champion. Dude, didn't charge me. Nothing, dude. She literally just switched me on American, like Southwest style. Southwest style, you can change flights all you want. Literally, I just was just like, I was like, hey, listen, I totally missed my flight. I'm I might still be drunk. Can I please just get to Florida? Like I just need to. I just need to get out. Of, I just need to get on a plane to Florida right now. She hooked it up so fat. I packed and I, I literally didn't bring. I didn't bring golf pants. 
<laughs> so you're supposed to wear a suit. You're supposed to wear a suit in the seminar when you're in the classroom, and then there's like three days of classroom <laughs> seminar and three days of teaching instruction, and you wear golf clothes on the teaching days. And I fucking get there and I realize I only had my suit pants, and I was like, shit. I'm that just wearing suit pants all phenomenal. week. <laughs> that is fantastic. So I'm assuming you got through it okay. You were now a you know a class A PGA professional, so it all seemed like it would have worked out. Not class A yet. Still not a, class A yet. Okay. Still an apprentice, okay. but uh, working my way there. Got it. okay. So I, I heard that. So on top of all this other stuff, is it true that you do have to do go through like a playing portion, like where you have to shoot like a certain score for a couple days in a row to pass like a certain? It, that's that's part of it, right? Right. So it's called the PAT, uh, okay. player app, player ability test. Okay. It's thirty six holes from the white tees on a golf course where they put all the pins in the middle. Like, okay, it, it's very friendly. Like, okay. it's built. And then you have to shoot. So it's in relation. They want you to pass. They want you to pass. They okay. want you to pass. Um, they're trying to help you pass. And, like, they literally, I remember my PAT very vividly. I played at a course called Wild Hawk in Sacramento. Yeah, I, I, I've been to Wild Hawk. Yeah, great place. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude, every pin was in the middle. We played the white tees. Do they do that on purpose when they come out and have like the guys come out for their PJ? They put everything directly in the middle, not on like every hole, not like directly in the middle. But there's no front pins, there's no back pins. Like they're all like middle, middle tier. Yeah, middle, middle tier. Okay. Like you know, there's not, there none of them are tucked. It's not like you're trying to like go at pins behind bunkers or anything like that. Okay, it was dude, like it was, it was very stress free. It was yeah, friendly. It was friendly. It was okay. very friendly. Thirty six holes. You got to take carts. I literally sat in my own. I sat in my cart by myself. I didn't even – wasn't even like – we had three carts. We had a threesome, and all three of us had a cart. Like, they didn't even make us fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like, all right, like, I guess I'm just in my own world. Played 18 and then had a quick lunch and flipped it around. But, yeah, you have to shoot, like – I want to say it's like 78, 78. But it's not like 78, 78 across the board. It's something in relation to the, like, slope and course rating. Mm, okay. um, but it's, like, around – like, basically it's shooting two rounds in the high 70s. Or better. Or better. Uh, is there like a pretty good portion of guys who go for it? You think that it's not a problem at all that are, they're just really good golfers and they're going to do it. And then there's like another group of guys who want to be PGA professionals, but aren't necessarily really, really good. I mean, dude, I was, like, you're, I was... You're, you're close to a scratch golfer. So you're, you're not worried about like shooting 78, 78 right. two days in a row. But I, I have another friend who has been a really successful, really good teaching professional for 16 or 17 years now. And it took him a couple times to pass. Cause like he loves to play golf, but you know, realistically, he's probably like a six or a seven handicap. So he's yeah. much better at watching people and helping them than he is at like playing golf himself. And it was like kind of, it was kind of a challenge for him to like shoot 78, like two days in a row or better. Dude, I mean, everyone, so not everyone I work with, but multiple of the people that I work with did not pass it on their first try. Mm -hmm. The two people I played with did not pass it that day. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I was, I meddled where I was at and like there was, I think like 21 of us, I think only like four passed. Whoa. I was shocked. Yeah, I was definitely shocked. And it's weird. Like, I mean, a lot of those guys, like, don't play any – like, I've been lucky enough to have played a lot of competitive rounds. I feel very, very comfortable with, like – I feel really comfortable with myself in a competitive round, in any situation, a competitive round when, you know, I'm in dead fucking last or a competitive <laughs> round when, like, you know, I'm contending and I'm somewhere, you know, like, it, like it fucking matters. Like, yeah. I feel pretty comfortable in that situation, so I feel like I definitely had, like, a leg up. But, I mean, like, they – uh. I don't want to say they hold your hand in the PAT, but they definitely they they're trying to give you a little assist. They're like, "Hey, man, we come out here, have a good round, shoot that seventy-seven or seventy-six, and let's let let's get it going." Exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. Which is super fun. The guys I was playing with got so fucking stressed that I felt so bad for them. 
they were grinding. They were grinding. One of the guys was super grinding. He worked at the golf course too, so he was like, "I need." Oh. He's like, "I need to pass this," and I was like, "Dude, it's gonna be okay. Like, just hit the ball. Like, it's like you'll get be out fine. here and have a fun time, man. Let's just all let's all hang out. Let's have a good time. We're gonna have a good day." <laughs> and he did not have a good day. That poor guy. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> yeah, like what? What do you feel like when you're out playing golf with somebody and they're just taking themselves, unfortunately, way too seriously? Not like getting angry, you know, per se. Just excessive like, tour sauce for not a good shots. No, but just, you know, like, I guess, like, being extra hard on themselves. Like, come on, man, you got like, just almost be, like, being kind of intense. Like, all right, you got to do this. You know, like, talking to themselves. Like, do you, when you see somebody playing like that, do you kind of like, oh, come on, man, let's just have some fun. Just relax a little bit. Or do you just say, hey, that's their thing. You know, let, let, let them do, you know, let them do what they want. I should, I feel like I should err on the side of that's their thing. Let them do what they want, but I don't. As like a, as like my like my internal person. My personality doesn't let me do that either. Yeah, my personality doesn't let me do it because I I literally like. I go back to the, um. If you're not, I mean, like for me at least, if I'm happy, I play good golf. For sure, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. If I'm angry, I play bad golf, and I feel like that's something that most people can understand. So, I always feel like when I see people that are like really angry or talking really intensely to themselves, I just want to be like, hey, listen, like. Do you, do you do this when you like, you know, do you do this all the time? Like, do you do this at work? <laughs> do you do this when you're trying to like talk to your like spouse or significant other? Do you do this when you're talking to your friends? Like, I don't <laughs> think so. Like, I don't think those, I don't think this same type no, of no, I don't think so. mentality goes into that. So like what, I think, I think learning to have fun on the golf course is a skill. Yeah. I think it's just, just as much as learning how to hit a golf ball or learning like the etiquette. Like, I think like learning how to have fun and while you're golfing is something that, you know is acquired totally and it makes me feel bad basically long story short it makes me feel really bad when i see people like that because i'm just like dang dude like you're you're having a bad day like you're clearly you're clearly not having a good time <laughs> like we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves out here let's let's take a chill pill do you know we can engage in some you know ha have a beer do whatever you got to do just relax out here man have 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 a good time have fun enjoy your time out here because you're stuck here you're yeah. here for four hours yeah see i have to admit man when we played golf together today i kept thinking to myself this guy's fucking miserable this guy is so bummed out all the time when i was looking at you oh really yeah you're just so bummed out uh, all the time your smile your smile is is sad you know <laughs> your, po sad your positive smile. attitude is makes me down you know it just no, obviously i'm getting like make um, the make the choice man happiness is a choice see you you and me are the same way man you get to choose how you feel every day exactly all right before i get to go fucking too you know overly happy overjoy um one thing we brought up today and as a guy you know who's a pga apprentice who's going to be a class a professional you know not in the not too distant future um i've got a huge problem with my golf game when i talked to you about it today you said that it still bothers you a little bit and so i want people that are listening who I undoubtedly have the same qualm about their own golf game. What is it about shadows that fucks me up? Oh my god! Like, why is it that I when my shadow this. is in a specific spot that I feel like I'm incapable of making a good golf swing? What can I, you, can you explain that phenomenon to me, dude? I I so I've struggled with this exact same thing. I'm happy you brought this up because this is this is a PSA. This needs to be known. <laughs> Fucking shadows, dude. When they stand in front, when I when they have them directly in front of me, like there's nothing worse on the entire earth than when I'm hitting a shot, specifically on a par three. Like let's say I have like a seven iron in my hand, like 171 yard par three. We're chilling, very simple hole, and I go and I put the peg in the ground and I'm like picking my line and I'm like, all right, I got a good. Let's just take it at the top of the palm tree right there. Commit to the line. You go. You step into your shot and you look down. You see your fucking shadow. 
like a shadow directly in front of you covering your golf ball. There's something about that that makes it impossible to hit a good golf shot. Impossible. I don't get it. It took me forever to get over it, dude. It took me forever to get over it. My high school, one of the guys I had on my podcast, Tom Isaac, he's like my mentor in high school. He was a math teacher, really good golfer, like yeah. stud, studly guy. I, I listened to a good portion of the Tom Isaac podcast. And it was good. He's a G. He's a, G. Yeah. he's a fucking G. But um, I remember I told him that. And he basically just told me to sack up. <laughs> I, remember, I was like 17 and I was like, I was like, I was like 17. So I was like, Mr. Isaac, like, how come you swing so good when the shadow's in front of you? Doesn't it bother you? And he's just like, sack up. Like, just, he's like, yeah, because I ain't a bitch. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh, okay. right. Okay. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, all cool. Right. I'm going to proceed. I feel like I always <laughs> slice it too. I feel like I always slice it. If I miss it right, like I block it or I get ahead of it or I slice it. Like it's not like a pull when the shadow's in front of me. Like it goes right. It's so weird. Like I asked my dad the same thing. I was like, do you not feel weird? He's like, you just get over it. And I was like, you say that, but it's just not that easy. All right. It's, it's not just that not that easy. I, I, if it was, I'd like to think that I'm not so retarded that I couldn't have figured it out by now, <laughs> but I can't do it. Like I can't get over it. Like it just seems really difficult. Like I said, the thing that made a big difference with me was watching tour pros swing and watching their shadows when the shadow was in front of them. Cause they still hit great shots all the time. And so the weird thing I feel like my swing looks super compact in a shadow when it's directly in front of me. I feel like it looks really, really small. Like, I feel like I don't see, like, my, I like, I like to think that I have a lot of width. Like, I create a lot of space between my hands and my body when I swing. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I try to think about. And when I feel, when I look at it in the shadow, it looks really, like, I feel like I'm swinging like Trevor Immelman. Like, I'm swinging inside a box. Um, and especially on the follow through, for some reason, I think the follow through looks so weird on that shadow. <laughs> and so I remember <laughs> watching tour pros, and their swing looked literally exactly the same. And I was like, "Okay, I'm not swinging shittier. I'm swinging exactly the same. It's literally just a mental block. Like I just need to forget about it." It can be bested. Like you see guys do it, and you're like, "All right, I know it's possible, but why is it that when I stand over the golf ball, I feel so savagely uncomfortable?" Incompetent, dude. I feel incompetent. I don't. Again, I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, speaking of incompetent, there was something that you wanted to bring up before we started. I, I heard it was a theory that you had gone over on your podcast. So as we're recording this, I believe today is September 9th? 9th. Today right? is 9-9. So we're getting a September. We're right getting towards the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, I've heard you've had a theory about how to make the FedEx playoffs better. Am I am I am I onto something here? You're on, you're onto something. Please, would you would you mind sharing from your listeners to mine? What I, what what is this theory that you have? Because the FedEx Cup playoffs are good, but they should be better for like a playoffs. I feel like there's a way to get the same level of excitement that you get for at least the PGA Championship. I mean, the redhead stepchild of majors. You could at least match that excitement. <laughs> the redheaded stepchild. Like, you, you, you should at least be able to get to that level of excitement for a fucking playoff where there's $10 million on the line. All right? How do we do it? So, How do we fix it? Please, please let, lay some knowledge on me. You're barking up the right tree there. So you're, the fact that you, you want to drum up excitement for the playoffs and the fact that you kept repeating the word playoffs I think is key because – when I like, I mean, you're a casual sports fan. We were talking about it before. You have fantasy teams. Like, I'm not a big football guy. Like, don't, don't ask me who the backup quarterback on the Bears is because I don't, I don't have no fucking idea who it is. But, like, you know, it's Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the rookie. Yeah, I only know that because the, the Niners traded now. But anyway, proceed. <laughs> wow, dude. So you know more than I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know more than I do. But um, anyway, playoffs carry a lot of weight. Everyone wants to watch the playoffs because people. Playoff, the thing that makes playoffs exciting is the fact that anyone can go home. 
the fact that if you watch it's the playoffs, it's all riding on this right now. Win or go the fuck home. Exactly. It's literally like what you know. What have you done for me right now? Like, or what can you do for me right now? So, the idea of watching, you know, the Patriots play the five seed or something is exciting in the off chance that the five seed wins. You know, like that's why you're watching it. Um, golf. The fact that the point system carries over into the playoffs from the regular season kind of makes it feel not like a playoff because it doesn't make it it doesn't really make it differentiate it doesn't differentiate it from the regular season okay so, so you're saying kind of like once the playoffs start everybody's i think i mean i i kind of understand where you're going but i'm just trying to let the listeners in you know if they if, absolutely you know, if they you know just end up smoking a little bit of pot or they're just in the middle of drinking a beer or running off they're just just catching up so i don't want to okay. yeah i don't want to lose anyone but uh God. Real degenerates these listeners are. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't want to lose anyone before I lose myself, dude. Because <laughs> I might. I might. I might get off the rails here too. Um, but anyway, so I think that they need to make like they need to make the points not carry over, and then I think that not everyone that gets to keep their tour card should make the playoffs right now. Right now, everyone makes the playoffs. Top one twenty five on tour keep their card, right? But only isn't there only one hundred twenty five tour cards issued every year? Exactly. So one hundred and twenty and one hundred and twenty five players make it into the first playoff event. Fuck that, dude. I want the top one hundred. Only the top one hundred. One hundred one to twenty five to one twenty five. Go home. You barely <laughs> kept your card. You literally. You probably missed more than half your cuts. Like, get the fuck out of here. You don't. Granted, should... you would beat me by thirty strokes every time we play golf. But go home. Yeah. Exactly. The Cleveland Browns don't get to play in the playoffs because yeah. they're an NFL team. That's literally like like. <laughs> that congr- is a great fucking analogy. It's that, like, that's, con- that's a perfect way to say it. Congratulations, you're an NFL team. Welcome <laughs> to the playoffs. It's like no, 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 no. Like yeah, you're a professional <laughs> golfer who plays on the PGA Tour. That doesn't mean you're to belong in the playoffs. Oh, that's like, phenomenal. That's the playoffs. And then also. I think that it should be cut-based. So I think, like, as weird as this may sound, I think they should make it four playoffs event that get progressively harder. Like, the setup of the golf courses should get progressively harder. Hmm. The golf courses you play should get progressively harder. And I think that consistency should be placed at a higher value. So that's the reason that the FedEx Cup was put in place, to – identify the most consistent and best player throughout the course of the year. I think that that should be carried into the playoffs. And I honestly think that, like I said, the courses should be made harder as it goes on and there should be a cut every two days. So like, are you talking like a marathon bro? Or like marathon guys are playing golf for like three straight weeks, like five to six days a week. It just, it's a fucking gauntlet. Not even like that. It's tournaments, normal four day tournaments. Okay. So you have the four day, four day events. You do your Thursday, Friday of the first event, which is the bar. Every two weeks for the whole month. Like, there's less and less people all the time. Dude, so you go from 100. So first things first, 100 players get into the playoffs. Boom, 100 players are in. Congratulations. Welcome to the fucking Barclays, guys. You're going to play your first two rounds, and we're going to cut 25 of you. It's after two rounds. We're cutting only 25. So then congratulations. The 75 who made the cut, play the weekend, make your money, get your points, do whatever it is that you want to do. And then literally week two, same thing. Cut another mm. cut. Go from seventy-five to forty, and then the last cut should be forty to thirty. So it's a small cut at the end. Interesting. I think that would be. I fun. like this so far. I just think it'd be fun, and I think I like the idea of seeing the one seed lose. I hate the fact that Hideki missed the cut at the last two playoff events and is still third on the FedEx Cup list. It's like, what have you done for me right now, dude? You literally have you've missed two cuts. Why are you still in the potential to win ten million dollars? Like. In theory, consistent players don't miss cuts. Obviously, I don't know how the FedEx Cup point system works, and I don't know how to make Nobody that does. work. Nobody does. You need a goddamn PhD from MIT to figure that one out. It's fucking ridiculous. But I think that there should be more gravity in the playoff events, and I think that the 
potential for the number one seed to not make it to East Lake should be in play. I don't like the fact that the number one seed automatically gets to make it to East Lake. So what do you think? All right, so this is something I've talked about before, but I still stand by this. The PGA Tour desperately needs more variation in terms of its formats, right? So there's one match play tournament every year, usually the WGC match play. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the only consistent match play event on tour every year? I think so. I think there's one on the European tour too, but I think there's basically like two big deal match play events a year. Okay. And so they also do one Stableford event, but it's always in Reno the same weekend as the Open Championship, so nobody worth a- watching ever plays in it. Right. Granted, no, I think the guy that uh, was in contention until the last day at the PGA Championship, did he win that tournament that like... Reno Stableford tournament maybe I, I don't uh, know. It, it might have been different. So yeah. Chris Stroud won Reno this year. I don't know if he was in it at the PGA. His daddy was in it at the PGA. Yeah, his big, daddy was definitely a big fan of his daddy. I, I like his daddy. Um, but I'm wondering, would it be more? So first of all, I love what you're suggesting. Like hacking it down more and more and more. What if you like a real playoff style? Like, hey man, perform or go home or get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Go home. Um. What do you think about mixing a different format into it as well? So let's say the FedEx Cup narrows everything down to, um, you know, let's say 16 guys. Match play. And all of a sudden we go match play, maybe like a round of match play to eliminate it down to the last eight. And then you have, say, eight guys go out in four groups, four, four two balls for like, 36 to like 72 holes of just the eight guys where everybody's focused on just these eight guys all day. And you have a killer, crazy championship tournament with like eight guys. That would be legendary. That sounds amazing. It sounds legendary. I'm always hesitant about match play. But I think that that idea, you're barking yeah, up like, the same tree. We're asking yeah. the same questions as right. far as like we need to build excitement. And there needs to, at the end of the day, there needs to be more severity for playing bad in the playoffs. Agreed. I feel like there, you need to be penalized more. Um, like I said, I'm always super hesitant about match play. Uh, what, what, what's your what's your hesitation with match play? I feel like the best player never wins. I wouldn't say never, but I feel like there's more of a chance for the better player to not win. Exactly. You get guys like Ian Poulter winning match play events. So if that's was, disgusting. That can't happen, right? Not even that they can't happen, but it's like it's one of those things where like Ian Poulter is not like a like he's a different tier of golfer. You know, like he's not like he's not a like he's not a great, you know. He's not like on. He's a very. He's definitely not a great. Yeah, he's an unbelievable. He's a really good professional. What does he have? Like I think he's got like at least ten worldwide wins. I don't think he's got ten on the PGA Tour, but he's got probably like three on the PGA Tour and three on the you know European Tour. His golf career is significantly more successful than mine. Way better than mine. But we do have the exact same amount of major wins, so <laughs> I'm holding on to that one. Bang. Um, but uh, <laughs> but like you get guys like him winning more match play events than anywhere else, and it's like, well, realistically. Like, Poulter gets a lot of shit because he doesn't play to win stroke play events, you know? He plays mm-hmm. for money. So, match play kind of lets that come in. So, I feel like you get, like, you run the potential for getting unworthy champions. And I'd be really bummed if, like, a guy like Ian Poulter who... It, now I'm going to sound, like, hypocritical, like I'm going back on what I'm saying. But a guy like Ian Poulter who was number 70 on the money list wins the event in match play. I feel like I wouldn't feel as satisfied uh, if he'd won it in stroke play. It's funny because, like, the idea of match play, I think, is always a little bit sexier than when you actually get it. 
But like the whole concept of someone going like mano a mano, that's why I like I suggested perhaps like when you get to that final eight guys, then all of a sudden like eight like a limited, very very limited field stroke play event because right. Again, p- people that listen to this podcast are like, dude, shut the fuck up. You talk about this all the time. But like, one of my greatest golf memories still to this day is Tiger and Rocco going head to head at Torrey Pines. Was, like the, for there, eight, 18 on Monday, like fucking stroke. But like that, that is from a spectator standpoint, that still is right up there at, at the pantheon of wonderful professional golf memories. Two dudes going at it, not in match play, but like going head to head. That was the most exciting golf I think I've ever gotten to watch. A full-on marathon. Two You're, strokes you were there. all over the place. I was there. You were there. I was there. Awesome. I basically just need to go to Tigers, all of Tigers majors from now on because he'll win. He wins majors when I'm there. Yeah. That's what I've learned. That's, that's right. what I've We're one, one for one. one. We're one for one. So What have you been doing, man? You've been doing him a disservice by not showing up I from do. 2010 to 2013. I'm being, I'm being an asshole. You're just being selfish. But I, I forgive you. He, I, If we're going to be honest, I've... Every single tour event that I've gone to that Tiger's played in, he's won. But it was all Torrey Pines. He won like six <laughs> times in a row at Torrey Pines. Yeah, at the Farmers. He won like six in, event in a row. And I remember going, and it was inevitable. It was like, we're going to go watch Tiger win. I think that was, that was part of what was so tough this year. Well, because, I mean, that's what that's the last tournament that he played in this year. It was the he, Farmers when he withdrew, right? Uh, or missed he, the cut? Did he play this year? No, no, okay. Year? So he missed the cut at Torrey, and then he flew to Dubai. And, and then had to withdraw after one round. So really, that like was this year, Jesus Christ, that was this year. It was right. this year, man. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Dude. But like, dude, Tiger is just so dominant at Tory. To see him be human, it's really terrifying. Sad, dude. It's a bummer. Sad, terrifying. I know. It we're, bums me out. We were talking a little about Tiger earlier today. We're we're both huge Tiger homers. We obviously like, want to see him be great. You're you're a little more realistic than I am. It sounds like in that. I just don't want to get my heart broken again, dude. He breaks my heart. I'm, I'm, my sports world is, is the Chargers broke my heart this year. Like I know I that's can't. Fucked, that's fucked up. I can't take way. another heartbreak, dude. I can't take another Tiger heartbreak. So I feel like I'm just setting the bar low and not giving him any any benefit of the doubt. And I hope he surprises me and and wins 17 more majors, and you know, and just is the best player ever. But you won't, yeah. I'm it's shocked, looking, dude. It's like, looking slim. A lot of uh, my buddies that uh, I go to Bandon with every year are huge Chargers fans. A lot of dudes like grew up in like San Diego that like live in Orange County now. Yeah, and they were so devastated when the Chargers moved. And then I was like on social media a couple weeks ago, they're driving up to fucking L.A. to go to preseason games. They can't. They can't quit. Dude, I quit. They can't quit. I, I'm I'm pissed at them, but I think I'm gonna come you back. You should be. Dean Spanos is an asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> He's an asshole. And I uh I'll probably come back, but for right now I'm I'm boycotting <laughs> this season. I you, told myself this season this season I'm a Raider fan. Fuck you it. fucking <laughs> should quit, bro, because I'll tell you what, I like a couple years ago when Jim Harbaugh and they kept like floating rumors about him getting fired, I yeah. kept looking at my friends and being like, This is bullshit. Jim Harbaugh is the best fucking coach they've had since like Bill Walsh. He was like, great. He's fucking awesome, and they kept on floating. I was like, dude, if this guy gets fired, I've had it. That like, Super Bowl. If was they a fire, if they fire this guy, who's clearly better than anybody else they could get, they they've no longer proven to me that I sh- I should give them my attention. They fired Jim Harbaugh at the end of the season. Three days later, I bought Raider season tickets. Really jumped on the Raider bandwagon. Just That's the bandwagon. Directly on the Raider bandwagon. That's the bandwagon. Bought Raider season tickets. It has been a. It, the timing was good. You get to see the Chargers play twice, so that's exciting. Well, you get to see him watch him play once. At, at oh, least yeah, in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's but, yeah. true. That's true. But, uh, yeah, I digress. Back to golf. 
No, no, we're football experts now, dude. This is yeah. a football podcast. We're, yeah. we're, we're totally Fuck switched. Fuck you. Yeah, you want to golf? Gears. Go somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go listen to go listen to the four play guys or something. Uh, but uh, so get back to FedEx Cup playoffs. It sounds like it just needs a, something a little more along. It's, you know, you can't play like shit and keep playing. This um, is the playoffs. The playoffs. And then I really like my idea, obviously. But I, I like my idea. I like your idea too, man. I like the idea of being the third event, being 40 players cut down to 30. Because I think if you're only losing 10 guys, that like really adds the severity. And it makes getting to East like that much more prestigious. And You don't want to be the asshole that gets to 40 and is one of the 25% of Dills that doesn't make it. That doesn't make it, dude. You don't want to be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And it's going to make people play their ass off. And especially if you do it at like... A relatively gettable course and have some fun with it. I feel like the scores would be low. You'd see a lot of birdies. You'd see a lot of fist bumps. You see a lot of the things that make golf fun for the casual sports fan, and the casual sports fan will understand what he's going to. Like right now, if he goes and watches the playoffs, it doesn't like he's like, what this? What kind of playoffs are these? But if he goes and watches the playoffs in golf, and it's like, what's going on? Oh, Hideki's leading the FedEx Cup points this season. Oh, nice. How's he playing today? Well, he's about to miss the cut. What happens if he misses the cut? Well, then he goes home for the rest of the season. He doesn't have a chance to win $10 million. What the fuck? Okay, well, I'll watch this. Like, yeah, how many holes? That sounds got? super intense. Yeah, exactly. 10 sounds... million bones on the line. Yeah, like, let's go. Like, I'm in. I'm in. Um, but if it's like, oh, well, what's going on? No, nah, Hideki's leading. Where's he right now? Oh, he missed the cut. Oh, so who's going to win this week? Well, who knows? Will, will they take the lead? Probably not. It's like, what What the fuck? Like, what kind of playoffs what are What the shit am I watching yeah, for? Yeah, what, what am I watching what for? What am I even watching What for? am I here for? Why did I come here? I will say that the courses that they're playing this year look pretty – I know they play deep TPC Boston every year, but whatever that course was that had that playoff hole between DJ and Spieth, that course might have been the most buttery-looking golf course I've seen on TV – not named Augusta. Uh, well, they said that the guy, the super that worked there, used to work at Augusta or something. So he had Interesting. Augusta ties. I wonder what it's called. Oak Glen, I want to say, or something like that. Yeah, that, that sounds, yeah, it sounds right. Some of the golf course. That course like looked fat, dude. Yeah, so apparently the guy that worked, the super there, worked at Augusta a lot, and they wanted it to be like Augusta-esque. So, I mean, they did a great job. The place looked Looks like they, tits. They, tits. they got pretty close to making that because it looked good. It looked real good. It looked really good on TV. Although, I heard that whoever... Uh, like one of the supers at Quail Hollow for the PGA Championship also had Augusta ties. Everyone's got Augusta ties. No, but kidding. can I be honest? Me and Casey were talking about this last week. I thought Quail Hollow was shit. Um, I, it's the PGA dude. It's the little. It's the it's the black sheep of the majors. Um, the redheaded stepchild. The redheaded majors. stepchild dude. It's the John Snow that's not that's <laughs> not that's not tight. No, John Snow is way way more important. That's I'm not, not going to spoil anybody, but come on. I almost spoiled it. See, I said I almost said something. I almost said something, and I was like, God, I cannot be a dick to everyone that's listening. Like, are you going to be the guy that crushes my podcast and gets people writing reviews saying, "Don't listen to this, motherfucker"? Spoilers. Spoiler. God, spoilers, dude. God, spoilers left and right. Uh, you're welcome. Anyone who's listening that's a cop fan that isn't caught up, you, honestly, you can send me an email and thank me later. <laughs> thank me later. Exactly right. Uh, also. All right, I'll ask you this because you're a West Coast guy. So for anybody that doesn't know, you grew up in San Diego. Mm -hmm. uh, you ended up going to college in San Francisco, and yep. you just liked the Bay Area so much you've decided to stay. Exactly. Here's my question to you, and this is something that our senior writer, Rick Vasek, uh, has hounded and wrote about several times. Um, obviously, there's a much higher concentration of architecturally significant golf courses on the East Coast and in like the Midwest. But... The PGA Tour doesn't really play any of like the really architecturally significant golf courses. They play very hard, long golf courses that aren't necessarily, you know, all world. I mean, they look really good and they're long and they're hard. Um, 
but a very disproportionate of these tour events are played on the East Coast. The West Coast has a lot of good golf, bro. And I mean, like, a lot of good golf. And I'm saying this to you because you're shaking it because you know. Exactly. Why isn't any of... Why isn't there more professional golf on the West Coast? And why why can't any course on the West Coast be deemed good enough to have a fucking playoff tournament at? So it seems like bullshit to me. I would agree. I think it's bullshit, too. And I've noodled on this a lot, personally. Um, because I feel... Another thing, too, like, to go along with you know, good golf courses on the mm-hmm. West Coast... Uh, better players. Yeah. I, just, I like I mean, yeah. the ability to play year round. So if you play, if you look at California, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, Louisiana, like that whole Southern, if you just look at the Southern half of the U S that's where the good players come from. Cause they can play year around. Right. Um, the only answer that I've been able to find for why there's no more PGA tour events on the West coast is logistics, dude. So I think w- the golf courses in the South and on the East coast, are flat for as far as the eye can see, dude. Flat and spacious. Here, like, a lot of golf courses have a lot of undulation change, you know, like a lot of hills, a lot of trees, a lot of shit. Like, that sounds a hundred, that sounds way more awesome. They, it, what, obviously, ex- fucking way sicker, <laughs> but they can't <laughs> logistically fit whatever a hundred thousand people on like these golf courses to watch golf. So it's like, think of like a, like a SF club. Or like a cow club or something for that matter. Mm-hmm. Both of those golf courses are epic and are hard and could host a tour event tomorrow. They just couldn't put grandstands there. They couldn't put a merch tent there. They couldn't put parking there. They couldn't do anything there. Well, San Francisco Golf Club seems like level enough where maybe. Because I know they host an LPGA tour event at Lake Merced right next door. And it's just a little bit shorter. Right. And it, you know, they, Less crowds. They, they, they make it work. Right. Right. I mean, it should, if they could make the U.S. Open at Marion work. Which is, you know, of all the 18-hole championship golf courses, supposedly it's got the lowest amount of acreage of any golf course. They can make it work anywhere if they're going to make it work at Marion because there's such little acreage out there. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's not a bad point, but I'm also like, the weather's better here. You could have a golf tournament there and have it finish in prime time on a Sunday on the East Coast. It almost That's makes the key. too much sense to not do it. There's great golf all fucking over the place like i don't know how familiar but like with golf guide you know obviously we have the podcast but like our magazine our website like we cover west coast golf right like we're very much on the the golf out here is really killer whether you live out here or not you need to come out here and play golf because it's terrific and the pga tour is not fucking listening they're not listening and uh, they're not listening the key thing for me the so i like i said the, the best answer i have or the best thought i've had is what i told you um but, I mean, the fact that it finishes in prime time on the East Coast, to me, seems like a no-brainer. Cause that's Spyglass. I mean, you play, what, one round there in the, on the Pro-Am? Have these guys go out and play Spyglass. That is going to be good television. Great television. Or fucking Harding, dude. Harding can clearly host. Harding can, it's going to have a PGA. It held a WGC. Like, Harding can do it. Harding, you could go to Harding tomorrow and have the best players in the world there and have a good event. Yeah. Um. Olympics host. I don't know why Olympic doesn't host more regular tour events. It hosts the U.S. Open. Like they only give a fuck when it's the U.S. Open, bro. Yeah, the O Club, man. It's got the flying O. <laughs> um, it's curious. Well, I think that L.A. Country Club for the Walker Cup is a huge like step in the right direction nice for segue. for the for the golf coming to the West Coast. Because like, I mean, I've 
they're making a big deal out of LA Country Club, and they're making a big deal out of this year's Walker Cup. The Walker Cup is sure. always a big deal, but there's this is kind of like a test run to see how it'll work for the U.S. Open in whatever twenty twenty three or the year. Yeah, has I think it. it is twenty twenty three. Right. So they which want is going to be amazing by tits. the way. It's going to be tits, and I hope that that is kind of the USGA making their push to come out here a little more because um, I haven't played much East Coast golf, but. I'm going to argue and say that it's better out here than it is over there. For sure, dude. And uh, and it's nice to see that the USGA is opening it up. Because, I mean, look, the LACC looked sick on the Walker Cup TV coverage today on FS1. It looked killer. Boy, Sh- Shane Bacon was out there giving some solid coverage. The bake? Bake daddy. The shea bake? The shea bake. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I think they're waking up to a little bit. Because if I'm – unless I'm totally mistaken, I think there are going to be more – major championships contested on the west coast because that's the thing is like the pga championship is never on the west coast ever the u.s open obviously will go to pebble every 10 years go to tory Tory. it's coming to tory again um but it it just seems like you know those big ones don't happen on the west coast very often and i think for i mean almost every other year from now or from you know starting now is going to have a venue on the west coast for the u.s open so good ready for this one yes Next year, 2018, it's going to be at Shinnecock. New York. Amazing. Yeah. All right, obviously. Number, it, it's one of five. the best U.S. Open venues. It's one of, you know, everybody Everyone loves it's, it. It's, it's probably the best golf course, you know, from a pure golf course perspective that the guys might have a chance to play on tour. It's that right. or maybe Riviera. Right. Um, 2019, Pebble. Let's go. Thank you very much. 2020, Wingfoot. Back to the East Coast. Please. That's Wingfoot is course. nice. Great course. Uh, 2021, Tory, let's go back to Tory, San Diego, baby. Twenty twenty two, the Country Club, Brookline, Brookline. Twenty twenty three, LACC. Dun 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 dun. So that's pretty good. Like three that's out of the next song. six. Like it, they're 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 wising, but then they go back to back East Coast. They go Piners number two and twenty four, and then back to Oakmont in two thousand twenty five. I'm never gonna be mad about an Oakmont major. Yeah, I, won't, I, can't, I, can't, be, can't, I can't be mad. About I can't Oakmont. be that mad about an Oakmont. Oakmont's major. a great. And I think they're back it. to Shinnecock in twenty twenty six. So it's even though it's a little you know brief. Every other thing, and then they go back to all that'll all be their East coast. But. Those are their debrief years, dude. Those are their years where they're <laughs> going to look back and be like, all right, so how did our three of six West Coast <laughs> run go? Did we like what we had? They better of because I think the the golf the golf out here is. I mean, dude, this is this is the future of golf. Like, it's the best out here, man. It's the best out here. It man. is the absolute. I mean, that's the thing is like, California has. I mean, a lot of golf courses have shut down over the past decade. I mean, the from an economics perspective, the you know, the golf course industry continues to self-correct after, you know, there was way more courses built from, you know, the mid-80s into the, like, mid-2000s than really was needed. Right. You know, golf, supposedly was Shitty a boom. courses, too. Shitty courses being built, too many of them being built. Now, ranch. Now, you know, now they're closing and self-correcting so the supply sort of meets the demand a little bit better. But that all being said, there's still over 900 golf courses in California. And Oregon and Washington are fucking awesome. Arizona is great. There's good golf all over the West Coast. To see it not being utilized more for the for the big boys just breaks my fucking heart, man. It makes it, it I feel slighted. I feel I, I, feel, I feel fucking slighted I feel too. Fucking that's, that's a good slighted. way to say it. I feel fucking slighted. It's like, dude, what do you what do, what do you have against us? Sorry, we have long hair and mustaches. <laughs> I swear to God our golf is better. <laughs> 
Sorry that my I don't fit into your country club. Are you going to yell at me because I drive a VW van? Fuck you, Don. Yeah, fuck you, Don. <laughs> Dude, stay Irie, man. Come on, get your center right. Your center seems to be off kilter, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of which, you mentioned the, the Walker Cup. The Walker Cup is technically going on right now. Yep. At this very, We are halfway through the Walker Cup. Exactly. I believe we saw that the U.S. is up 8-4 after day one. 8-4 after day one. Very excited about that. No, young San Diego boy Norman Zhang. Norman Zhang. Norman Zhang. Zhang. Dude, with the setting Walker Cup history today, winning eight and seven, go fucking home, Great Britain and Ireland. Don't even show up, dude. How do you don't even win one hole? It's not great. It's not good. It's <laughs> not good. It's not good. You didn't even win a hole. They have. It's they literally not... have the hole. They have the one hole. It's not great. Um, but it, cool to see the boys in blue on top. Uh, good to see LA Country Club on TV. Course looks it great. Looks good on TV. Looks really good. It looks a lot Ooh. like Cow Club. It's got kind of, uh, that. I mean, I'm one of those guys that compares everything to Cow Club now because I'm just a spoiled brat. I which which is probably your favorite golf course in the Bay Area. I would say for sure, it's okay. my favorite golf course in the Bay Area. Okay. I, like I don't even really think it's close. Awesome. Um, okay. Yeah, dude. Fascinating. I've played SF Club. I've played Lakeside. I've played Ocean. Like I've played. Played, you played some very good golf. Played Meadow, like I've played them all. I think that one is the best, and it it's it's. Not I like it. Close. That's awesome. No, that, so that's great. an awesome take. I love it. It's fourteen holes of really hard golf, and then fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen are gettable, which is super fun. Interesting. It's, so it's super. So the first fourteen are super challenging, and then it gets easier down the home stretch. Yeah. So it's, some, so you could try to get some strokes back. Yeah, like fifteen is like an uphill par five. That's like driver, three wood, like. 20 yard shot or like lay up and you still have a wedge huh. 16's like 130 yard par three 17 is a downhill long par five but you hit like driver three wood and can get there and then 18 is like a 420 or 430 yard par four but those are like the best birdie chances you have on the golf course all day the f- one through really? four, one through 14 are like just ball busting savages ball busting savages dude um but yes by far by far and away my favorite course if anyone has the wherewithal to be a member there i highly recommend you do (laughs) if you somehow can do it do it do it do it don't even take the tours of the other places take my word for it (laughs) so so i know cow club is super close to sfo right do the planes bother you at all when you're out there not at all dude there's a plane that literally flies it's like one that goes from here to australia that flies out every day in the afternoon and it literally if you shoot it with your rangefinder it's like 410 yards above the golf course (laughs) it's literally right there you could touch it dude it's it's like an enormous plane it's a fucking it's one of those Qantas planes yeah there's like double decker Big old boys. It's a big fat boy, dude. And it's literally like you feel like you could touch it with your finger when it flies over you. You're like, whoa. That's right. Dude, it's really cool. It's right there. Wow. That's super trippy. Although, I will say this. That's part of, I think, what makes, get you know, bring this thing full circle. I think that's kind of what makes Presidio so awesome is that, like, most of the good golf in the city is, like, on the outskirts. Like, Cal Club is technically in San Mateo County down near San Francisco Airport. Right. The other really good golf course in the city, like Olympic, San Francisco, you know, like Merced, the, the private courses at least. They're like you know way down. You know, I think, are they in Daly City or are they in San Francisco? I want. Well, I like would half say, and half. Almost. I would say Daly City, but yeah, I'm I mean, not they, a local. They might be so. in San Francisco, but it's on like you know the the fringes of the city. Right. Presidio, you're in. You're in it. You're like, right in the heart. You ever think about how crazy it is that that piece of property has somehow been set aside for a golf course? Yes. It's pretty awesome. It's insane. Do you know it used to be the old, uh, the original SF Golf Club location? Really? So the original SF, when SFGC first started, whatever year that was, 1895 or whatever uh-huh. year SF Golf Club was founded, uh, Presidio was the original golf course. It was built on that property. The that golf was course a, as it sort of is today? As it is today. Really? Yeah, that was the original SFGC. And then whatever, 1908 fire, earthquake happened, mm-hmm. destroyed a lot of it. 
Okay. Um, SF Golf Club moved to the current location, which is down in Daly City. Presidio turned into a military base and became a military golf course. Um, and then opened for public play in the 90s and was a military course for whatever, 80 years. But yeah, wow. original SF Golf Club location is actually Presidio. Fun fact. Super fascinating. Right, dude? Well, dude, that seems like as, as premium as a, as, as a point to end on. I mean... I know you got to, uh, you know, get going here pretty soon. So we'll, we'll bring this one to an end. But can I ask you a question? Oh, dude, shoot, fire away! Can we do this again, dude? Yeah, more beer, more beer, more golf. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do this we'll, again. We'll make sure we start. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll we'll start a little earlier. Maybe we'll go down to the city next time, and we'll, uh, you know, get, give you a little bit more time. Although there's still a golf course you have to play up here, Bodega so, Bay. Oh, there's Bodega Bay. So Edna Springs. I, yeah, I, I may take a couple extra minutes from you here, but the, when take I was on your time. podcast. I asked you, you know, some of your favorite golf courses in the Bay Area. We, we, you know, exchanged some good names, and I got to share with you how I think you need to go play Aetna Springs. Yep. You still need to go play Aetna Springs. So next time, maybe we'll head out to Aetna and uh, and then come back and do this again. But we'll try to do it a little earlier in the day at somehow. Maybe get you on a full day off so I can get you at, like, early morning. Then we can really get on here and just really start saucing it up and just throwing them back while we do this podcast. We'll keep, awesome. our, we'll keep our schedules in check. We'll keep, we'll keep each other in the loop, but yeah, I mean, we definitely need to do this again. Cause I had a blast. I mean, a day of golf and, and beer and podcasting and talking more about golf is literally it's my pretty type good. Of day. It's my type of day, dude. It's my, yeah. It's my kind of day too, man. We, we could be good friends. We, we'll do this. We'll do this again. Um, but yeah, I knew, I know you're going back and forth between the Bay area right now. So, um, yeah, no, so it's good, man. But in the meantime, how can people find you? You host the No Gimmies podcast. Where can they listen to it? Where can they find you? Where can they get their No Gimmies fix, Krister? So the No Gimmies fix. First things first, check us out. Go to our website at nogimmies.io, www.nogimmies.io. Gimmies is spelled G-I-M-M-E-S, by the way. Oh. So everyone always wants to throw an I in there. Um, why, it, what, what, why the unsuspecting I? Why do people want to do that? So they like the... It's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. People always want to throw the I in there, but if you look it up in the dictionary, it's spelled G-I-M-M-E-S, just saying. I'm right. Um, <laughs> no gimme's This I. is your podcast. You've done the research. You know how it's spelled. I put it in. I fell into it, but it counts. <laughs> but check us out on our website, nogimmies.io. I have a newsletter there you can sign up for. Uh, I okay. send one email a week, and it's literally awesome. just full of promo codes that I've picked up, um, links to my episodes for the newest podcast. Cause I do a podcast every week. I'm committed to one piece of content a week. I good. feel like I can do that, so I've been doing pretty it's good. It's harder than it sounds, man. I mean, I, people listen to this podcast like, yeah, I wish that fucking dickhead Kyle would make sure he does it every week. He's been <laughs> slouching this summer. He's been to s- which I say... Yo, I got a life to live. Fucking ease up off me. I'm doing things. Um, yeah. but I've been I'm out co- here, okay? What I've do you want con- from me? I've been consistent with the once a week. So check us out on our website. Sign up for our newsletter. We literally will send you one email a week. It's got nothing. It's got, like, we're not going to bother you. We're not going to spam you, anything like that. Instagram, you can check me out at No Gimmies. I just put up pictures of the golf courses I play um, with picture tips from the man, PJ Koenig. Uh, um, and Twitter at No underscore gimmies okay. i never use twitter ever ever i'm not we were talking twitter. a little bit. social media can be hard sometimes twitter twitter's tough twitter's tough a picture says a thousand words dude i can't i can't express myself in 150 characters instagram seems a lot easier it's easier for me way easier for me easier for you too exactly but those are all the places you can find me shoot me an email chris at no i'm super responsive if you want to talk shit or just sh- share an idea about the golf world that you have hit me there and uh yeah guys thanks Amazing. for listening christer you're good, man. Thank you for coming up here, man. We had a really, really good time. I uh, hope blast. everybody, you know, listened to this podcast, enjoyed it. 
you know, they go to their fucking podcast player of choice, whether that be an iPhone, a laptop, a goofy Android mobile device that some people decide to use. I don't know what. A fucking Zune. Whatever it may be. <laughs> go, you know, download the No Gimme's podcast. It's really, really good. It's got lots of interesting guests. And uh, yeah, I always enjoy it when I listen to it. So again, Chris, thank you very much, man. We'll, uh, we'll do this again moderately soon. Fuck yeah, Bang. Kyle. All right. And until then, to all of you out there listening, thank you. If you uh, feel like you need to go play some golf and save a little money, golfguide.net save 20 to 70 percent on greens fees at golf courses all over northern california uh other than that thank you everybody and until next time mahalo mahalo